0: Good to be with you this morning. I can tell that I haven't done this in a while. I was sitting there singing, worshiping, and it hit me. I forgot to put the microphone on (laughs) and had to go back and and get it. But uh, Grateful to be here, grateful to worship with you. Uh, I want to begin by reading from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, then tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Why, well, I, I want to begin by noting that this is a love story. Uh, not a fairy tale love story or a, a Shakespearean love story, but no, make no mistake, this is a love story. And, and you're probably thinking, he's lost it. Will's lost it. How could a story about Jesus fasting for 40 days and nights and then being tempted by the devil be a love story? It sounds awful. Uh, it, 40 days and 40 nights without food is a nightmare for those of us who love to eat. And notice that I included myself in that, those of us who love to eat. Uh, as Tina Turner so famously sang, what's love got to do with it? And I don't know how to answer Ms. Turner, but regarding the scripture, a whole lot. A whole lot in fact I think we often mis- uh, make the mistake of s- not starting with love for instance we we talk about the creation of the cosmos where, where God creates all things and for some reason when we think of the creation story we we seem to forget the beginning and we jump right to Adam and Eve sin sinning in, in the garden But we forget that God began creation out of love and that it was good. God's inclination is always towards love. Love through creating, love through dwelling with, love again and again. So we begin with love. Unmerited, unmitigated, unreserved love. That was God's intent. That was his motive for all time. But... Uh, Having said that, but if you know the story of the scriptures, then you do know that despite God's love, humanity has had misaligned loves. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, and the serpent tempted Eve first by asking the question, Did God really say that you cannot eat from any tree in the garden? And Eve responded that they were allowed to eat the fruit from any tree in the garden except for the one in the middle, and if they they touched that tree, then they would die. And so the, the serpent, and this is the brief version, but the serpent says, oh, you won't surely die, but you will become like God. You will become like God in that you will know good from evil. And And so Eve, wanting wisdom, eats the forbidden fruit, and she then offers some to Adam who... Uh, Despite what some people like to do and just blame Eve, uh, no, Adam is just as guilty. He was there, if you read the scripture, he was there and he takes it and he eats as well. They had all that they needed. The garden was full and and, uh, of plenty to eat. They had the very presence of God with them. They had all that they needed. They lacked for nothing, but the desire for more, The desire to be their own gods was the temptation that they gave into. So why am I talking about the Garden of Eden when I started off by saying it's a story, a love story, this is love? And and food, why are we talking about food when the passage today was about Jesus being led by the Spirit into the wilderness where the devil tempted him after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting and he had no food? Well, because of love. Adam and Eve represent all of humanity. They're, they're representative of all of us and what we do time and time again. We, we seem to have this ongoing inclination towards being our own gods and worshiping things that aren't God. And so I was talking to, to Tanner and, and my Sunday school class over the last couple weeks, and, and I said, you know, I, I like to think that I don't get caught up in consumerism or or, or, or that I'm not affected by marketing or, or this thing or that thing. But when I inspect my life, I realize I've been duped just like everybody else. I want stuff just as bad as everybody else. And, and I, I seem to have this inclination towards more, more, more. I've I really had to inspect my life and ask the question, what do I spend my time on? What, what is my thought life centered on? What do do I spend my energy on, my money on? Uh, Those indicate what I'm hungry for. They indicate what my appetite is for. All around us, all the time, temptations are calling out to us for our love. And I've come to the humbling conclusion that I don't always love the right things. What about you? Don't answer out loud. Uh, But what about you? What are you hungry for? Another way to ask that is, what do you love? And, and here's some good news for us today. This passage, I've said it, I'm going to keep saying it, really is about love. God sends God's self into the wilderness. God, who has taken on flesh and made his dwelling among us, goes into the desert as a human. And I'm going to give you a little disclaimer because I don't want to get in trouble today. Uh, Jesus is fully God and at the same time fully man. It's important for us to remember that Jesus' divinity does not make him less human, and his humanity does not detract from his divinity. It's a mystery that we call the incarnation. I cannot explain how it works. I've read a lot of books. I've been to a lot of school. I don't know. I just trust that it is true. But, But it's important for us to recognize that here, this is Jesus fully human. And he's entered into the wilderness at the spirit's leading and and that he is a person and a weakened person at that. he hasn't eaten for forty days and or forty nights. he has an appetite he's hungry right uh, the The scripture that that we read it, it says he was hungry. I think that's one of the understatements in all of scripture. If you haven't eaten for 40 days or 40 nights, and he was hungry. Yeah, no kidding. He was hungry. He has a physical appetite. And he's hungry. He's not just hungry, but he's also weak and tired. And we don't usually think of Jesus in that way. But Jesus, who is fully man and hasn't eaten for 40 days or 40 nights, physically has to be weak and tired. And here he is in the wilderness being tempted. tempted. This hungry, weak, and tired Jesus is confronted with temptation. And as we heard, he overcomes the temptations. And and I think, and maybe I'm just talking about me today, but I I think when when we hear this story or other scriptures, we, we say to ourselves, yeah, that's good, but that, good job, Jesus, but of course he overcame temptation. He's Jesus. But we miss something in thinking that way. We miss that this is Jesus, humble and real. Jesus, the truly human one. We, we miss the fact that Jesus, who has taken on flesh and dwelled among us, has truly become human. And, and with that, there is the possibility that Jesus can, in fact, sin by giving in to temptation. And I suppose another just quick point, he doesn't. But we have to recognize that if Jesus came and took on flesh for our sake, then the possibility exists that he can give in to temptation and sin. And that's an important point to remember because in this love story, we see that God is at work restoring all of creation back to God's self. Humanity gave in to the wrong appetites in the garden, and and not just them, but we do it again and again again. And again, we give in to the wrong appetites. We love the wrong things. But here is Jesus in the wilderness and in a weakened state. Jesus, who is hungry and in a barren place, is confronted by temptation. And as the truly human one, he does not sin. He doesn't give in to the temptations. And this is love, folks. God did not have to come to us. God did not have to enter the wilderness. God did not have to face real, let me emphasize that, real temptations. But Jesus does it for us. For us. And in doing so, he's already showing us the trajectory of his salvific and restorative work. Jesus is putting things right. And I've been been maybe dancing around it. Can I just make it a little more explicit? What Adam and Eve do in the garden... Sin, giving into the temptation to be their own gods, to, to want more and more and more. Jesus does the opposite. They're in a place of plenty, everything they could ever want, and they want more. Jesus, who has had no food, no drink for 40 days and 40 nights, is led into a barren wilderness and does not give in to temptation, showing us that he is, uh, there's this fancy word, the recapitulation. Uh, what that means is like a retelling of the story, but this time the outcome is different. What happens at the beginning, what we do again and again, Jesus sets right. He, he shows us the, the true, what it is to truly be human as God has created us to be. And that is relationship with God. That is trusting God. I'm getting ahead of myself, but uh, following God and fellowship with God. And so he recapitulates. He he tells this. He lives the story. But this time, the outcome is good. The outcome is restoration. Uh, we'll find out, as Pastor Tanner said, we're we're making our way to the cross and eventually resurrection. But we're on our way to the cross with Jesus, and we're going to see him doing this over and over again place giving himself for our sake. he, he He's telling the story uh, of humanity again, but this time it is as it should be, and in that is an invitation to come and join him in, in the world as it should be, to join him, this microphone, <laughs> to join him uh, as, as real humanity, uh, humanity that is being restored. I might just have to hold this. Uh, <laughs> Let me get back to my notes. Um, so Jesus shows us that that we do not have to give in to, to these misaligned appetites. We can, in fact, live hungering after and subsequently satisfied in God by feasting on the Word of God. And and Jesus is the Word of God. A, a right reading of Scripture is to read through the lens of Jesus. And, and so uh, we... To read through the lens of Jesus, what does that, what does that mean? Jesus shows us that, that we can trust God. Yep, got to do it. That we can trust God that, and, and God's love. And would it be better if I just held the microphone, I think? It was distracting me, so i probably distracting you too. Uh, let, me, let me back up just a, a little bit. Uh, we, Jesus is, is showing us, uh, that, that our misaligned appetites can, in fact, be realigned, aligned, and, and by that, we can read Scripture through the lens of Jesus. And, and simple questions. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus say? What was he like? What does he call us to do? And, and and in in his life, as he's headed towards the cross, we also see a radical trust that God will provide what Jesus needs, that God will be faithful to him, and, and so we we can follow that pattern and read scripture through the lens of Christ, and and these temptations that he faced in the wilderness. The first one was, turn these stones into bread. And there's a few possibilities in what that temptation is, but one of them is, make a way for yourself. You you can turn these stones into bread, feed yourself. You don't you don't have to trust that God will provide for you, and scripture it's it's kind of fun. Uh, oftentimes when you're you're reading uh especially the new testament scriptures they're alluding back to something that has happened before and so israel were they had been rescued from egypt and they're wandering through the the wilderness of the desert and god's leading them for 40 years and here jesus 40 days hasn't eaten and 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 what i don't know if you know the story but the israelites are in the desert and they say oh we're hungry we're so hungry and they're complaining and grumbling, and they did that a lot. They're complaining and they're grumbling, and God, he, he rains down, it's called manna, and, and in the Hebrew, it's like, there's no real translation for it. It basically means, what is this? Uh, and, and it was like a, a bread-like substance. And, and, and what God had done is he fed them in a way that they could, couldn't say, we did this. We provided for ourselves. No, this was God's provision For us and and so the temptation for Jesus here is to make his own food to to make his own way and and he says to he he quotes scripture and says man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth uh, of the Father and what he's saying is I can trust I can trust that in this time where it seems like I don't have enough and he is hungry that he can trust that God will provide for him. And I don't know where I'm at. What's new, right? (laughs) So we don't have to make bread for ourselves. Uh, Jesus is the bread of life and the word of God who satisfies our appetites. We don't have to hunger after power because God assures us that the meek are blessed and the poor are inheritors of the kingdom of God. And and, and what I mean there, uh, I'm just really quoting scripture to you, uh, but the other temptation in making bread is that Jesus could... I mean, how many stones are in the, the desert? Uh, I'm thinking quite a few in that area. It is a rocky place. And if Jesus turned all of that into bread and handed it out to people, they would love him, they would follow him. Do, do this for yourself. Gain power, gain, gain followers by giving them bread. And, and Jesus is, is reminded, no, that's the way the world works trying to gain power for yourself but instead he he trusts in God again and so we we don't have to hunger after the worldly tools of power Uh, and and instead we can use the the tools of the kingdom uh, of God and and trust that God is at work Uh, we don't have to put the father to the test to see that he really does love us because Jesus trusted the word of God to him you are my son whom I love we heard that last week uh You are my son whom I love. Jesus trusted in that enough that he could say, No, I believe what God has already said to me. He was able to show us all that through him, God was setting things right. Humanity does not have to continually have misaligned and out-of-proportion appetites. Instead, we can hunger to know God, to be known by God, and to live in obedience to God and trust that God is with us. So this is a story about God's love for humanity. That God would take on flesh and become obedient, humble, and model, and a model of trust that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. So what are you hungering for? What takes your time? What takes your energy? What are your thoughts centered on? Who do you long for? And are they the right appetites aligned with the fruits of the Spirit? Or... Are you hungering for things that don't satisfy and they actually end up rotten? And I know that sounds like the end of the sermon, but uh, good pastor, I got more, I got more. If you recognize uh, in your own life that, that some misaligned appetites are in you, then Lent is a perfect time to allow the Spirit of God to change those appetites, to, to set, the, set them right. Uh, Lent is a season in the church year where we intentionally engage in some spiritual practices in order to align our body and our spirit and our mind with that of Jesus. One of the ways that we're invited to do that is by fasting. Fasting is a spiritual practice where we go without food for a designated period of time as a way of aligning our bodies with the spirit of God or or a situation that moves us uh, deeply or or even is grievously troubling. Um, So, uh, Don't worry i'm not going to ask you to fast from for 40 days and 40 nights in fact i would tell you do not do that Uh, i just read a news story that someone tried to do that and they died so let's let's not do that Uh, but we do want to engage in the spiritual practice in meaningful and and healthy ways and and so we're i'm inviting you to to join me and uh this type of of, of fasting that isn't for weight loss or or even to show how holy we are, but it's to recognize where our own appetites, uh, and, and that's not just for food, but the things that we hunger after, where they're not aligned with God's desires for us. So we intentionally weaken ourselves to be reminded who our supplier and who our sustainer is. That we can't do it on our own. We need God to be our provision. And so I'm, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do this, but I'm going to tell you what I'll be fasting from and abstaining from during this Lenten season, not so that you can say, oh, Pastor Will, what a, what a good and holy guy, uh, but to just give a model of, of what, what this could look like. And, and I'm just going to admit right from the start that I am already off to a bad start. I have already messed up my, my fasting Uh, But, this isn't uh, a guilt and shame type of thing. This isn't a pass-fail type of thing. It it is uh, a a coming to God and saying, God, would you align my, my wants, my desires, my appetites with the very things of God? Would you make me truly human as you meant us to be from the beginning and as Jesus is showing us what it is to be human now? So, i'm I'm giving up uh, I'm giving up some things I'm giving up Facebook because I spend way too much time reading what other people post and, and i'm this has been hard this is where I've been messing up i I'm giving up using my phone for anything except for calling and texting during the Lenten season and and i I'm doing that because I've recognized that my phone is a distraction like if you want to, if you have a cell phone that you use quite a bit for things other than calling or texting, try it for just a couple days and, and you will find yourself like picking it up and saying, oh, wait, wait, no, I'm not supposed to do that. It is hard. Be, and, and I'm doing it because I realize that I sometimes neglect my family because I'm watching too many YouTube videos or I neglect time with God because it's so easy to, uh, as they say, doom scroll <laughs> uh, on Facebook. And so it, for me, it's a, a recognition of my appetite was out of alignment. Way too much of this. And so I need it to be set right. So I'm abstaining from that, fasting from that for a period of time to say, God, help me to live in right relationship with my family and those around me and with you. Again, I have not done well. But it's not past fail It's I didn't do it. God, help me. Please help me to align my, myself rightly with you and, and, and I'm, I'm also going to be fasting from food for, for one day a week. And, and that is to, in order to align myself better with the, the ways of Jesus and, and to see what's wrong in the world, I, I'm fast, again fasting from food once a week because I, I've just been grieved in my spirit by the amount of violence that's in the world. Um, shootings, wars—I mean, on and on. I mean, just recently, in Battle Creek, a young man w- was shot, and it just grieves me in my spirit. And so I—I'm going to forego food for a day each week, and, and not just give up the food, but spend time in prayer. That's important. Spending that time with God to say, "Lord, would Your peace reign?" Because I know that as I'm grieved, and as I'm—I'm I'm s- going to be hungry. Uh, trust me, I will be hungry. Uh, that I can say, Lord, help me to hunger and thirst for the peace of Christ to reign in our world. And, and, and I don't know what it'll be for you. But, but do some inspection. Where, where are your appetites misaligned? Where are they actually de- pulling you away from love for God and love for one another? And, and maybe start there. Uh, start a, a fast there. And, and I would encourage you, if you can, to maybe give up a meal once a week, or if you can fast for a whole day, but I also, listen, please listen, hopefully you've been listening, but listen, if you have diabetes or hypoglycemia or some other medical condition where fasting is not going to be good for you, do not give up food, right? We want you to be well, uh, but maybe something else. Uh, all of that to, that to say, wh- this Lenten season, we're inviting you into the, the discipline of fasting, So that our hungers, our appetites are aligned with the things of God, the very kingdom of God, uh, the the ways of God. So where do you have misaligned or out-of-control appetites? What type of fast might help you to be back in sync with Jesus? And what grieves God and grieves your soul? Can you fast a meal, a snack, a particular type of food or drink to allow the physical hunger or thirst to align the grief you feel, to align your body's grief with the Spirit's grieving. All right. It's a love story, right? <laughs> we're, we're going back to that. It's a love story. We have God identifying with us, showing us the more excellent way, and so would you join me this Lenten season in embracing the love of God and allowing that same love to shape us and mold us into the followers and to followers after Jesus who desire to follow him in all of his ways. It can be a painful journey. But hungering and thirsting for God and the kingdom of God are true food and true drink that will satisfy forever. So what does love have to do with it? Everything. Everything.